Welcome to the QAV podcast. If you're brand new, I just want to introduce the podcast a little bit so you know what you're getting yourself into. If you've listened to the show before, feel free to just fast forward a minute or two. If you're brand new, here's the deal. Uh, my name's Cameron Riley. Tony Kynaston is an old friend of mine. He's a very successful share market investor. I'm talking very, very, very successful. He's been doing it 30 years. He's one of the best in the country in terms of a private investor. Very good uh, track record over 30 years. And what this podcast is about is Tony basically teaches me everything that he knows about investing in the stock market. And you get to listen. But if you're coming into this for the first time, you'll find that this episode, the current episodes, assume a certain level of prior knowledge. We assume that you know what we're talking about, his system, his methodology, which we explain in earlier episodes. So feel free to listen if you want to get the vibe for what's going on, but some of it's not going to make much sense unless you understand what the checklist is, etc. I recommend if you're brand new, you go back and listen to uh, Season 3, Episode 1, Episode 3 and Episode 5, where we go into Tony's background and his system and his methodology in a lot more detail. And then feel free to listen to the contemporary episodes, the current episodes, you'll understand more of the context of what we're talking about. With that, let's get into today's show. Welcome back to QAV episode 362, the last episode for 2020. How are you, TK? How's it going down there on the country estate? Yeah, it's really good. Really, really good. It's, uh No, it's cool. It, it's uh, to, like getting up sort of, might reach 20 today, but some days it's been 14, 15 degrees. Oh, lovely. Stop it. You're making me jealous. <laughs> 31 yeah, in Brisbane it's today. It's killer. Uh, anyway, get to use my pool, which is nice. Um, <laughs> you got, you got a, is it, do you have like QAVs written into the cement somewhere on the pool? Cement? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I'm talking of the $60 blow-up pool from Big W, <laughs> TK. Uh, what's this cement business? What do you think I am? <laughs> cement. <laughs> no, it's a little a little wading pool. That's all we can afford. You know, we okay. just sit out in it, splash each other. Nothing nice. too fancy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> nice. Good. Is it three blow up rings or the canvas type? Uh one blow up ring. Mm. Uh yeah. Yeah. Fancy technology these days. You only need the one blow up ring. <laughs> and when you tip it up to empty it, does it create a water slide as well? Yeah, it would do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah good. Good. Uh, oh, that's nice. You've been getting some golf in? Yeah, played a couple of times last week. It's been pretty busy. We've had people staying with us and parties and Christmas functions and things. So it wasn't really until about yesterday that I could put my feet up for a while. All oh, right. That's Anyway, that's my song of sorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so hard. Um, so are you uh, – you, you, good thing you got down there when you did – yeah, if you'd no, left exactly. it to now, you would have been stuffed. They've shut the border today, haven't they? They have, yeah. To Sydney at least. So, yeah, I, I, I left Sydney Thursday a week ago, which was the day before they started getting people to quarantine if they came from Sydney. Well, from so, the northern yeah, beaches, I think, officially and initially, yeah. and then Greater Sydney today, I think. Yeah, well, I think the, I think the, yeah, the border's shut now, the Greater Sydney. Yeah. 
So um, we'll have to talk about what this means for us doing an event in Melbourne in a couple of weeks. Uh, we'll talk about that offline, I guess. Yeah, well, it shouldn't matter, should it? Well, it depends what happens between now and then, but you're already down there, so you yeah. can do something. Whether or not I'll be able to get down there in a couple of weeks, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? These things change quickly when these things break out. They do, but I mean, Queensland's... Queensland's above the Iron Curtain, isn't it? The Banana Curtain. You'll be fine. <laughs> the Banana Curtain. Uh, well, before we get into questions, I want to cover off on some uh, things. Uh, I want to thank Eddie, Eddie Donato, for the vino. He sent uh, both of us a nice bottle of wine. Yours is probably still back home in uh, Greater Sydney, but um, mine turned up and I've nearly finished it. Eddie said, here, enjoy your Christmas day, but didn't didn't last that long, Eddie. Thank you very much. <laughs> nice. It was thoughtful. Well, thanks, Eddie. Yeah, I look forward to going back and getting it maybe in six months' time when COVID's <laughs> under control. <laughs> when you're allowed to go back without quarantine, yeah. <laughs> no, thank, thank you, Eddie. You, that that yeah. was very generous. Uh, Ray Dalio had some tragic news. I don't know if you've seen that. His uh, 42-year-old son died in a car crash on the weekend. Yeah, I just scanned the headlines of it. Yeah, it sounds terrible. Yeah. So it's, um, it's still, I mean, like I know people talk about 2020 and we haven't got flying cars yet and things like that, but I'm still amazed that we have car crashes, really. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, if people can walk away from Formula One cars that burst into balls <laughs> of flame, you think we'd do better with our own passenger cars. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually saw an ad for a Volvo in the magazine on the weekend and uh, they're now putting speed limiters on their cars, which I think is a great move. I've been calling for that for decades. Yeah. yeah well, I, you know, I wonder if the um, fully automatic self-driving cars will cut down on car crashes. Yeah, and if they don't, the software could easily go into a driver, like a driver, what you call it, a car with a driver, and uh, improve the safety of it too. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, tragic for Ray. Yeah. Um, for people who don't know who Ray Dalio is, we talk about him from time to time on the show, American billionaire, hedge fund investor, um, pretty much a value investor, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, he uh, from time to time, or maybe in his past, he operated a vulture fund. So that's like a really big value investing, right? Picking yeah, up the carcass of uh, companies that uh, are on their last legs. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter how much money you've got when things like this happen. I'm sure it's uh, you know it's the same, the same sort of uh, tragedy. Yeah, it is, and I think Cam Williams said it best on Facebook when he said, uh, "No parent should outlive their kid," which I hardly agree. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So uh, tragic there. Um, on the opposite side of tragedy, uh, Hawthorne. H A W had an exciting week. Um, it uh, it uh, has been like down thirty percent in our portfolio for quite some time, and. I kept saying to you, should, should we sell it? And you were like, nah, it hasn't breached the sell line. And also, as you pointed out, with the dividend and capital reimbursement that they did a little while back, it really wasn't a dip. They had sort of neutralized the drop in the share price. So it was, you know, we'd, we'd made enough money from it that it neutralized it. But then in one day last week, it went from minus 30% to plus 11% in a single day. 
And it 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 uh, they paused trading, and the ASX <laughs> asked them WTF, and they came back and said, "Hey, we we Good we don't know." We, yeah, that was it. Just yeah, WTF. Well, well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they came back and said, "We don't know," but. LCY's share price has done something very similar. LCY is a legacy, and apparently the two of them have a joint venture in an iron ore mine. And uh, I think that apparently with the iron ore price going gangbusters, somebody thought, oh, these guys are going cheap. Uh, so the ASX uh, took off the halt on their trading and then the share price came back down to earth again. <laughs> but it stopped, last I looked, it stopped at minus 11%, uh, which is still a long way up from where it started. Uh, mm. So that's good. It so, is, yeah. Well, welcome to the world of small miners, though, really. That's, that's what they do. Right. It's, They're cu- it's, it's currently trading at 11.5 cents. So, mm-hmm. um, th- th- so that means we're we're well and truly in the black on that, even though it shows as negative on our spreadsheet. We're in the black, right? Good. Our portfolio has been doing well lately too. I had a look today as I was preparing. It has been doing well, uh, according to ShareSite. Uh, for the financial year, our portfolio is currently up twenty eight point zero three percent versus. I'm tracking it in ShareSite against the SPDR two hundred fund, which pretty. I had a look at that versus the All Odds, and it tracks it pretty closely. I think the mm-hmm. All Odds is up, but well, the SPR SPDR two hundred is up fourteen point five nine percent. So we're almost exactly double the um, all odds. That's a great return, isn't it? Twenty-eight. I think the all the all odds is a little bit less. When I looked this morning, the all odds was about thirteen point five percent. So we're, you know, yeah, double double the all odds for the financial year to date. So that's so it works. It's where we should be. How about that? <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. good. I was just going back to Hawthorne. I just called it up in Stock Doctor. Its average daily traded amount is twenty five thousand bucks. So. It's it's going to be susceptible to moves on rumours. All it takes is for a couple of people in the market to get excited about it and spend a yep. hundred grand on the share price. It's going to bounce. Yeah, yeah. So, so that was that was a bit exciting, a bit of fun, and and you know I, I saw it as testament to your advice that we don't sell until it breaches because we mm. held on to this and it uh, came good. Yeah, and that's the case with a lot of different things too, isn't it? Not just this one. Um, Beach Petroleum, I think, was getting pretty close to a three-point sell, but it didn't reach it, and it went up like 60% a couple of weeks ago. So, I mean, these these trend lines are, uh, I mean, I know that they are not exact and they're not scientific to a point, but um, they do often represent resistance. And, uh, you know, it goes down to the resistance line and then... um, People piling because it's cheap enough, and the flip side's too true too. If it breaks through the resistance line, it will probably keep going up. That's generally mm. what happens. Mm. Resistance is useless. The, the the five month, sorry, the five year monthly chart for Hawthorne, and you can't see that 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 it went down and went up again last week in that five year monthly chart. 
you can see that it's risen a bit this month, but that's about it. And that's one of the reasons for using the monthly chart. Just takes all that sort of volatility out of the stock stock price. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it uh, came mid-month, right? So we wouldn't be yeah. able to see it. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think another one that uh, was down for a long time was Schaefer, SFC. Yeah. We bought that at fourteen fifty back in August last year, and it had a bit of a rough trot for a mm. while, I think. It got down as low as $10.33, uh, but we held – and it's back up to $18.60 today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. a couple of times. I mean, there's been, to be fair, there's been plenty of times where they've kept going down and <laughs> yeah, we've and sold, we've sold them. Yeah. But, uh, you know, a few yeah. times they haven't. Hopefully in the balance of things, more of them recover than we have to get rid of. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, what's next? Uh, stock of the week, Tony. I'm guessing you probably don't have one. I do. What? Right. <laughs> no, I do. <laughs> yeah, what have you got? I've got Rice Growers Association, SGLLV for some reason. I don't know why it has a five-digit code. Oh, and nothing there says rice growers. Yeah. Tell me about <laughs> SGLLV. What's got you hot and bothered over that one? <laughs> uh, well, the, the I, did a, um, I did a download today just to prepare for this because I hadn't done one in two or three weeks and uh, discovered that Rice Growers Limited had uh, a reporting date of October 20. So their numbers have just hit Stock Doctor. So that's why I wanted to call it out. And uh, its share price is doing quite well since it reported, but doing quite well for a while now. And uh, it still has a QAV score of 0.11. So it's still on our list, even though the share price is going up. And it may not last on our list for much longer if the share price keeps going up. But yeah, I went through today and updated the manually entered data that goes with the stock because we've got new figures and uh, it it still remained on the buy list. The company itself uh, is a it probably was an old co-op, I guess, but as as uh, I said, it's, it, as the name says, it it uh, basically grows rice, um, all types of rice, and uh, I would think it would be based down in the Murray somewhere, and it has brands like Sunrise, which would be fairly well-known to Australian shoppers at least. Mm. I think that's where the SGL comes from, Sunrise Group. Okay. I think it was yeah, quite, quite called possibly, at some yeah. point. And it looks like they're mm. on a bit of an acquisition spree. They've just picked up uh, a New Zealand uh, business. Uh, they've they've, they've got uh, Ingham's Feed Mill at Hamilton and Top Cow and Top Calf Brands. And they just recently also acquired KJ and Co's Brands. Right. I'm not sure what that is, but uh, yeah, they've got they've got the acquisition bug apparently. Yeah, not the biggest stock in, in the buy list, but the uh, average daily traded of $37,000. So that will allow a few of our listeners to get set with it anyway. What was their QAV score? Uh, 0.11. Oh, it's low then. It's not high on the list? Not high on the list, no. And like I said, the way the share price is going, it may slip off the buy list 
if the share price keeps going up. If it gets too high. Yeah, right. Mm, yeah. Okay, well, everyone can have a look at that. S-G-L-L-V. Uh, apart from that, bit and bit quiet in the old uh, stock journal <laughs> last week. You're uh, in holiday mode. That's fine. That's good. I'm going, I've, I know, I was, as I said in the newsletter today, I've worked you harder this year than I think you've worked in 25 years. So, 14 uh, at least. You, you need a holiday. I do, actually. I do. I think you're right. Um, I do. I, I feel a bit uh, a bit like it's been a, um, uh, particularly in the last month or so, it's been a long period of time. As, as you know, we, we're setting up a new company with uh, your son. He's involved with our charity exchange and our raffles. Uh, to raise money for charity, so that's going live at the moment and has a few uh, few speed bumps we need to work through. <laughs> that's taken up a bit of time. Uh, my own investing takes up time. QAV takes up time. Uh, horse races, uh, conquered by none. My horse race and horse breeding business takes up time. So yeah, it's getting to be a a bit of a half workload at the moment <laughs> but uh, <laughs> when you throw in um, you know traveling and, and managing the households and stuff there's enough on mm. at the moment so well, it'll be good to have a break i'm looking forward to it on behalf of the riley family we uh <laughs> we we, we uh, happily grant you this uh momentary <laughs> respite before you get back into it <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> But, but you know, like it, it, it'll be a respite only from recording shows. I mean, I, I'm still very much interested in what the market does, even though they'll be quiet for the next couple of weeks. Um, Fin Review will go on hiatus and probably only put out one or two uh, newspapers over the next two weeks. They put out usually a Christmas one and then a New Year's one. Oh right. Uh, and most people will be on holidays. But but yeah, I'm, you know, we have worked hard this year, but I, I enjoy it. I'm 24-7, you know, pedal to the metal involved in the markets. It's my passion. So, uh, yeah, it's um, it's hardly working, is it? isn't it? <laughs> well, and, and on behalf of uh, all of the listeners, uh, I'm sure we appreciate everything you've done to teach us this year. It's been a been a great year. Been a been a challenging year, but also a terrific learning opportunity, I think. I think we said yeah, that I last so. week, right? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Mm. Yeah, thank you mm. for that. It, I find it very rewarding to be to be making a difference to people's lives, and and thanks everyone for the brilliant feedback. It's um it's never goes astray when we get an email from someone saying you know you made a difference to my investing. It's very rewarding to uh, to to the person involved financially, but also to to me to to know that uh, that uh, you know this little podcast has made a difference to someone's life. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Okay, so. Uh... I was going to just pull up the journal for the week and um, just run off a couple of items there. Bear with me a second. Well, while you're doing that, I just wanted to say something about uh, Wilson Asset Management and Amazon that we spoke about last week. Yeah. About permanent capital. And I uh, hadn't had a good chance to read the, the articles about that acquisition, and I have now. I just wanted to clarify something. So... I mm-hmm. think the way the acquisition is working is that by the time the assets hit Wilson Asset Management, the company will have liquidated. So it's basically a obviously a mobile phone company selling SIM cards, and that's been that business is being taken over by Optus, and the company will be delisted. But along the way, uh, in between that happening, Wilson Asset Management will will basically take it over and, and get its franking credits and get the income from the sale of the business to Optus and, and bank the cash uh, 
into the WAM listed investment company. So I spoke last week about unlisted investments in listed investment companies and how that can be problematic sometimes because uh, you can't mark the, mark the, the uh, unlisted company to market the same way every month you can a listed company. Uh, but that won't be the case for this one because uh, basically it's cash going into the Wilson Asset Management lick. So I just wanted to clear that up for people. Wow. So I wonder what that means for my mobile phone account. I guess Optus That's is just Optus. taking it over. I mean, it was always running off the Optus network, so I guess they right. just uh, are absorbing it all. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> it's been funny. Like, uh, I don't know about everyone else's mobile phone plans, but at Maysim, the reason, the reason I signed up with Maysim in the first place years ago is they were providing a lot of uh, data, like pretty cheap, 40 gig a month, 50, and it keeps going up, 50 gig a month, 60 gig a month for the same price. And I was like, wow, this is great. And obviously they were trying to uh, fatten up the calf by the sounds of it. Yeah, quite possibly, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and now when you're with Optus, it might be 10 gig bucks a month. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because I barely leave the house these days, so I've hardly used any data this year as it is, except when I travel down to see you, which has uh, been fairly rare, unfortunately. Well, hopefully you'll get down for a, a QAV dinner and come and stay at the Cape for a while. Oh, well, that would be nice, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Got, you got room? Yep, got plenty of room. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, I did send you a stock journal today. Do you want me to call it up? Oh, well, yeah, okay. So you did. One was, was, was late, One forty nine. So just, just to run through it quickly, there was a company called Gascoin Resources, uh, which was added to the download spreadsheet. It had been delisted for a while because it was going through a, um, a credit event and had to get re- refinancing for um, its outstanding loans. And it hit the boards again and uh, bounced up, so it had a good up, uptrend and the numbers were good, so it had a good QAV score. But unfortunately, when I went into its annual report, it had a, uh, a qualified audit and there was a material concern about its uh, ongoing viability due to the debt it was carrying. So that got entered into the manually entered data tab, but not onto the buy list. Another change this week is a company called VBC, Verbrek Limited. Uh, and for some reason, uh, this is the old Logicams company, which people might recognise as a logistics company, and they might see Logicams stenciled on the side of pallets and on the side of trucks maybe. Um, certainly it's in that kind of industry. But they've rebranded. I think there was some kind of takeover recently, and they've changed their name to VBC. That meant we had to I had to go in and enter VBC into the manually entered data tab, and uh, also maybe the rebranding worked or the acquisition worked because the, uh, the three-point trend line was crossed. That it's the, the stock is starting to trend upwards on its graph and it has a QAV score of 0.16. So it's also added to the buy list. Uh, Mastermind has come off the buy list because uh, it's breached its sell line. And I think one of our listeners pointed that out during the week on the Facebook group. Um, I, actually, you're right. I do say Autosports Group was removed from the buy list, so it quite possibly um, was uh, was spoken about last week, but taken off this week. ICS Global, ICS is the code, was removed from the buy list due to a rising share price, as was JB Hi-Fi. So good luck to any of our listeners who bought either of those shares. They, they've improved since we had them on the buy list recently. We've spoken about Rice Growers Limited, 
And the last one is West Gold, which has slipped off the buy list also due to a rising share price, obviously a gold miner. And uh, the latest buy list I sent you, Cam, and the watch list has the percentage of directors holding, so how much of the uh, market cap is held by directors, which was um, due to John Macon's research last week. So we'll we'll track that and see if it can help us find... uh, I guess, a new way to order the, the buy list that, that might add some value to us. Uh, but I have found that there's a bit of a glitch in, in the calculations because some of the shares, now that I've laid them out that way, I can see some of the shares are saying that the directors hold more than is available, uh, well, more than is registered as the market cap, which doesn't make much sense to me. So I've gone, I've emailed Stock Doctor today and to see if they can clarify. I, I expect the answer will be something like they're counting options that are um, uh, have yet to vest as part of the director's holdings, but I, I don't have clarity on what that reason is, so we'll follow that one through in the mm. upcoming weeks. Mm. Oh, thanks, Tony. Very good. Well, let's get into questions. Here's one from mm. Mark. Hi, Cam. Hi, Mark. Would Tony buy FMG tomorrow if he had some spare cash? And if not, why not? Yield is terrific. Uh <laughs> Might be a typo, or maybe it's a new word. <laughs> Triffic. Uh, reminds me of Day of the Triffids. Did you ever read that? I loved it when I was a kid. I loved all John Wyndham's. Me too. That was terrifying. Yeah. Mm. I remember there was a TV series in the 70s or early 80s too. Remember that? It's kind do, of scary. Yeah. Or at least they, a movie. I think it was a black and white movie when I was saw it. it. I just remember there were like really big walking sort of lilies. Yeah. And they had a yeah. tongue that would come out and hit you across the eyes and make you blind. And blind you, that's right, yeah. Scary stuff. That's something yep. that Hollywood should uh, do a remake of. That was good. Oh, mm. speaking of, <laughs> I watched two of the best films I've seen in ages on the weekend. Wolf Cop and its sequel, Another Wolf Cop. <laughs> uh, Wolf Cop, 2014 low-budget Canadian production, but surprisingly... Good script and acting, and but it's, it's it's they're made to look like, you know, eighty uh, horror coms, uh, same sort oh, of yeah. style. If you like a good eighties horror com, this is you know just yeah, really really. I I enjoy them. Funny, violent, stupid. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, can't talk enough about Wolf Cop and another Wolf Cop. Good films. Anyway, back to yield. Uh, it's terrific. Iron ore price is nuts. FMG has to be the most efficient iron ore miner in country. Well, in in history. Well, I don't know. We'll get into whether or not you would buy it now, but I know it's currently up two hundred and eighteen percent from when we bought it in August last year. So it's certainly been good for us. We talk about it every week. But if you were looking at it today, how would it go? Is it in the buy list? It's at the very bottom of the buy list. So I, I did the update today and it's currently at point one. So I, I think if the share price keeps going up, it'll slip off the buy list. Uh, right. So if I had spare cash, uh, I probably wouldn't buy it, but only because there'll be things higher up on the list which I haven't bought yet, which I'd mm. buy instead. Mm-hmm. But look, it's an interesting point, isn't it? I mean, basically what uh, Mark is asking is if something's gone on the run, do you buy it or do you wait uh, for it to maybe pull back? And um and we don't have to make that call because, like I said, the buy list will tell us it's um, it's it's price increases making it less and less desirable to buy, which is pushing it lower and lower and lower down the buy list. So, yeah, the, my answer is that uh, I probably wouldn't buy Fortescue Metals Group. I'm certainly not going to sell my holdings. I have a 
it's probably the biggest holding in my portfolio now because of the fact that it's, it's grown so incredibly quickly. Uh, yeah, and, and who knows what will happen. I mean, um, obviously iron ore, it, as uh, Mark has mentioned, has, has gone on a tear, but that doesn't mean it will continue to go on a tear. So I, I don't want to predict things. I, I couldn't predict things, uh, but um, I'll just let the, the system guide me with that purchase. And right now I would say that I'd be buying something higher hmm. up on the buy list than FMG. Well, I'm surprised that it's still on the buy list after the tear that it's been on. That's uh, impressive. Yeah. How loud yeah. are those birds outside your window, by the way? Oh, sorry. You want me to close the window? No, it's nice. Makes me feel like I'm. In, I like makes it me too. feel I'm in the country. It's just they're just loud. <laughs> Happy birds. Yeah. yeah. We're surrounded by trees, and and uh, you know, it, it, probably for the first time ever, when I got down here this time, I said, you know, we're actually. It's it's a good place. We've got lots and lots of trees on our acre on our acre of land down here, so it's a good thing. And the bird noise just reinforces that. Mm, it sounds lovely. All right. Uh, thanks, Mark. Rowan, hey, Cam. I want to say separately to the question that the podcast has made a huge difference to my life, and I want to thank you and Tony for that. I think Cameron Williams said it well in that there's a certain amount of pessimism when you hear of someone teaching about investing in that I always think, what's the catch? What do they want from me? <laughs> Pretty quickly realized that's not what TK was about, which was refreshing. I'm 29 now and have wanted to invest since I was 16, even started a finance degree at one point, but was never able to see a method in anyone's madness till now. I don't have a mortgage and have good free cash flow each week and would like to leverage my portfolio. So my question is regarding margin loans. I think Tony has mentioned before they need to be approached with caution, but didn't completely dismiss them. So... Without giving financial advice, what are the pitfalls to look out for with margin loans? Yeah, so I've only ever had one margin loan in my life, um, and that was basically because uh, when I left Colesmeyer, uh, when I was employed by them, I had some options and I had to finance them as I was leaving to, to take them and, and hold them while the, while the share price was going up. So I took out a margin loan to do that, but I didn't hold it for very long. Uh, there's a whole lot of issues I have with margin loans. Um, the the first one is the interest rate. I don't know what the interest rate on a margin loan is now, but it's often multiples higher than what the interest rate is on, a say, a home mortgage. So I wouldn't be surprised if margin loans were at least 6%, maybe maybe even higher. At the time when I had mine, it was 9% and the, and the home mortgages were about 6 So, you know, they're, they're, they're usually a lot higher than the mortgages. Um, so I, I, I'm not scared of leverage, but I would rather... Um, leverage my house to, to buy shares and then control you know, the exposure and the interest rates and all that um, using that facility. But whatever leverage you employ, I still come back to when we invest in a business, I look for, for debt to equity of, of 33%. So what I mean by that is that if I have a house worth a million dollars and a share portfolio worth a million dollars, then I wouldn't borrow more than about seven hundred thousand dollars. So, you know, the um, the debt is about a third of what the combined equity is. What the combined sorry, I should skip this straight. What the combined asset value is. The equity will be the difference between the um, the debt and the uh, asset value. So uh, that's the kind of gearing I would go to. And and if you're borrowing against your house, that's probably going to be about the limit anyway. You probably couldn't borrow more than about seventy percent against the value of your house. So that that kind of you know, puts things. Um, into the right sort of framework for doing it as a as a housing loan rather than a margin loan. 
So that's the first thing. Um, I have no problems at all borrowing against um, uh, my house to invest. The other benefits of, of, of doing that is that uh, I can fund that mortgage usually by the dividends um, that the shares I invest in pay. Now, dividends are usually only about 4%, um, which will, um, well, the market is yielding 3 or 4% at the moment, which will easily pay for a, a current house mortgage, which is going to be around 2%, 2 to 3%. Um, and plus you get franking credits, which you'll, means you'll get a rebate on your tax return, which will also help you fund it. But when I when I did this aggressively, uh, I used a, a type of mortgage called a revolving line of credit. So basically, it was an interest-only mortgage. So the bank never charged me a capital amount each month. So all I had to do was to service the interest, which the dividends did quite handsomely. So that's the kind of mortgage I'd recommend. Um, currently, I have a mortgage which is not quite like that, but I do have what's called a redraw facility. So even though I have to make payments each month on capital and interest, I can re- redraw part of that capital, uh, which again helps cash flow if I need it. So that's a, that's a couple of, I guess, um, tips and hints if you think about leveraging into the market. The other the other side of mortgage, uh, of uh, sorry, margin loans, which I don't like, which is different to a mortgage, is, the, um, is that once the shares you have leveraged go down below their, um, their LVR, their their loan to valuation ratio, the bank can force you to sell them to repay your loan. And that's something I don't like because as we've seen during COVID, for example, the market can fall 30 odd percent quite quickly and stocks can be more volatile even than that. And so you might think you're holding a blue chip stock and suddenly it's worth, you know, 70, 60% of what it was worth last month. And the bank is ringing up and saying, mate, we're selling your stock and you have to repay the loan. So you can basically, you know, lose or get back to zero fairly quickly in that circumstance. But if you have a, if you have the loan against your house and you control when you buy and sell the stocks, you can decide if the stock drops 20%, 30% that you'll sell it. And okay, you've taken a hit, but you um, you still have uh, the mortgage intact and you still have um, other shares which you, which you can um, uh, rely on and you'll still have your mortgage which you can redraw and invest again so you get to live for another day and the great quote from warren buffett about margin loans was that if he ever had if he had margin loaned against berkshire hathaway he would have been bankrupted twice during his life so um, that's quite telling as well you know basically you're saying that even the company is sold as berkshire hathaway will have enough volatility in its share price that he would have been called out twice and margin loaned out so i'm not a fan of margin loans uh, I, I am a fan of using a mortgage. I understand that in Mark's case, though, it looks like he hasn't he hasn't bought a property, so he might want to consider that um, as a way of doing it. If he doesn't want to, the the other thing I draw people's attention to, and, and perhaps perhaps Mark's too, is a thing called an instalment warrant. Now, I don't know if we've spoken about that before on the show, but instalment warrants work uh, almost like a margin loan. Well, well, what they do is they provide leverage to a share purchase. So not every share on the market will have an instalment warrant and you might have to go and speak to what your bank about it because oftentimes these are issued by banks. But what it basically means is that uh, uh, you can buy, let's just take CBA as an example. You can buy an instalment warrant in CBA. So it's uh, in the share price on Commonwealth Bank might be say $80. Uh, what you're buying is 
the share component of it, but also a leverage component of it. So if you could afford to buy $100 worth of CBA shares, the instalment warrant might actually allow you to buy $150 worth of CBA shares because you're actually borrowing as part of the package. So it's it's almost like a product that is part share and part loan. And then the what the instalment warrant does is it uses the it takes the CBA dividends and pays the interest on your loan. So you never have to make a payment on the loan. And then you kind of set and forget. And, uh, you, you know, in whatever your investment horizon is, five years, 10 years time, you get the leverage result of having started with a bigger uh, pool of CBA shares than what you could have bought yourself. So I think if you're starting out, and it sounds like, Mark, you might be, and, but you do want leverage to the market, I'd have a look at instalment warrants and uh, talk to your bank about how to get them or Google them. Uh, I know lots of the banks issue them because they are part loan, part shares. Uh, people like Macquarie Group do as well, so you might um, have a look at their website as well. But but certainly it's, that's a way to get more exposure to the shares that you like rather than getting a margin loan. Ah, okay. Uh, very interesting. Rowan says about 30% of my portfolio stocks meet the improved investment lists and of the approved stocks, most of the diversified LVR margin limit is 40% of which I think personally I'd stay below 30%. What's a diversified LVR margin limit for English speakers? I don't know what the diversified part is. LVR is loan to value ratio. Ah, so he's right. saying that, yeah, it, once the stocks fall, 30 or 40 percent then you're you're forced to sell them right yeah so or you to, to look at it the reverse way you can borrow 60 percent of what the the loan is of what the shares are valued are valued at so you put in 40 percent you borrow 60 percent by the shares but if they if they fall by more than 40 percent you've lost your money but the, and the bank sells the shares and gets their money back so you're back to square mm, mm. all right well it sounds uh, a little bit risky yeah, and also too, I mean, I, I, like I said, I haven't done it for a long time, but there's a big contract that goes with this and you, uh, from memory, and it could be different now, but uh, you've got to be careful that if the shares drop 50%, you don't owe the bank 10%, so you've lost your money, plus you owe the bank to make up their, their loan difference. Yeah. You, so you don't want to be working for the bank, you want to be working for yourself. Yeah. All right, well, hope that helps, Rowan. Uh, here's one from James from Brisbane. Hi, Cameron and Tony. I'm two to three months into the QAV process and I'm hooked. I'm relatively new to share investing over the last few years and the learning curve has been astronomical and thoroughly enjoyable. It also finally forced me to do the unthinkable and actually learn how to use an Excel spreadsheet. Bonus, <laughs> the podcasts are great. I know what Tony's answer will be, but I'll ask it anyway. With the COVID cough firmly in place and looking ahead over the next few years, do you see yourself fudging or ignoring the COVID trough as the second lowest point on the right? I can see that it could lead to sell lines being set pretty low in some cases and may lead to holding on to shares that are tanking longer than perhaps you'd like to. I know in the scheme of things, it probably won't make much difference, but interested in your thoughts. Keep up the great work and the laughs, guys. James from Brisbane. Now, I did say to James, yeah, we talked about this two weeks ago. I don't think he'd caught up with that episode, so I did point him at it, but I said I'd throw it in anyway because I'm sure he's not the only person still wondering about that, ignoring. And then somebody called me uh, this afternoon and asked me the same question. So there you go. I know that James isn't the only <laughs> one 
So, for the people that are still wondering about whether or not you can fudge the cough, would you fudge the cough, no, Tony? You can't fudge the cough. Don't fudge the cough. Don't fudge the cough. Yeah, and my, you know, my reasoning for that is if it's not going to be the COVID cough, it's going to be the GFC. It's going to be the Asian financial crisis, the tech wreck. There's, you know, once in every cycle, there's a low point, and that's the low point. So uh, things are growing up from here. And hopefully we will never touch that low point, which might mean that we'll hold on to stocks for the rest of our lives, and that's not a bad thing either. So uh, that's that's my general observation. I, I also want to say, I think last time when we talked about this, if, if people if it makes people sleep better at night, then go ahead and fudge. <laughs> if you if you if you think that um, it's, and I mean that sincerely, if you, if it doesn't make common sense to use the low point because you can see there's a different trend happening. And you're worried that uh, the shares will drop, and they have to drop a long way back to get to the COVID cough line. Uh, by all means, sell. Um, I'm, you know, you don't judge the fudge. I'm not going to be a sorry. You don't judge the fudge. Don't I? Don't judge the fudge. That's right. I'm not a I'm not a trend line Nazi here, <laughs> but uh, I think in a general as a general rule. The COVID cough stays in because, uh, like I said, if it's not the COVID cough, it's, it's something else is going to be in the market, which will be a, a low point every time in the cycle. So it'll be there for at least the next five years. Once in every cycle yeah. comes a low point like this. I need you. You need me. Oh, my darling, can't you see the something? But- <laughs> <laughs> What was that? That was from what? The young um, ones, man. Young Cliff ones. Richard the in the yeah. shadows. Yeah, mm. oh, that's good. Um, and thanks, thanks, James, for the question and, and the nice feedback. I appreciate it. And I'm, I'm really interested in, in the wording some of these questions have, which they start off now with, I know what Tony's answer will be, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So I kind of think that means we've done our job for the last 18 months because people are starting to, it's starting to sink in. Yeah. <laughs> this is what Tony would do. I know they still feel the need to, to ask it anyway, yeah. and that's fine. Yeah. But uh, I'm hoping in 12 months' time it'll be, you know, the questions will go something along the lines of, why did you do that for, Kino? That was a fudge. What are you fudging for? Come on. <laughs> so yeah. I think it's starting to sink in. Yeah. Well, that's the end of the free episode for this week. For the brand new folks, I want you to know that each week we have a free episode and a premium episode. Free episode runs about half an hour. Premium episode usually runs for an extra half hour to an hour, depending on how many questions we have from our audience that week, because we spend a lot of that time answering questions. Uh, If you want to check out the premium episodes, you can go up to our website, qavpodcast.com.au, and sign up for the two-week free trial. You get to have a look at the premium episodes, you get to have a look at the checklist, the Getting Started Guide, All of the video content that we have, Uh, you get invited to our VIP dinners and our VIP Zoom calls for club members. You get to ask Tony questions that we can answer. You get to get invited to our uh, Facebook group, our private Facebook group, etc., etc. And also we get a a private uh, club member newsletter each week we send out as well with some stuff in it. So check that out qavpodcast.com.au but as i said if you're brand new and you want to you're trying to figure out what's going on go back and listen to season three episodes one three and five 301 303 and 305 and then you might also want to go back and listen to season one as well all of the free episodes in season one where we 
go into a lot of detail about Tony's system and methodology and figure out if this is right for you, if it's something that you want to go further with, if you want to learn how to invest like Tony does, then you can check out the uh, QAV Club. Uh, the other thing I always have to say is we're not financial advisors, so don't take anything you hear on this as financial advice. This is just here to teach how one guy invests and thinks about investing. If you need financial advice or tax advice, please go see a financial advisor or a tax advisor. Uh, with that, stay safe, good luck with your investing, and we'll be back next week. <laughs>